Sometimes we go faster and sometimes we go slower. Um, my husband is usually the one who's really awesome at expository teaching. When I usually look at scripture, um, it's a little bit more interactive with the Holy Spirit. And so I felt like the Lord had something for us today. Um, where we've been is last week Ryan had us share um, about each and every person that Jesus had touched and the testimonies that were arising in their lives. And where we're heading next is there, Jesus is no longer the only person doing things. Now, in, um, in verse, not first, chapter 10, now we are now sending out and transitioning the disciples to be doing the work of God with the Lord. And it's, ki- it's going to be kind of long. Um, hopefully I can... Um, be entertaining enough to keep you engaged. So, all right, scene. All right, um, Matthew 10, 1. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing him, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go... Preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Do not require do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts, or a bag for your journey, or even two coats or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it's not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in the synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they, had you, when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say. For it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child and children will, raise, will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You'll be hated by, because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his master, nor a slave above his master. It's enough for the disciple that he become 
like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they've called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak into the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one and not yet one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. But he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of, the dis- of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. <sighs> Jesus, thank you for your word. And I confess, even as I read these words, holy God, they are heavy and weighty. We love you, God. And I thank you that there are so many blessings to following you, Jesus. But at the same time, God, I thank you for your word and your scriptures to prepare our hearts. And in this time and today, O oh Jesus, I ask that you would move upon our hearts and in our midst, O oh God. Whatever you want to do and whatever you want to say today, God, we are open to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, a lot, we talk a lot about um, the blessings of God in this church and that God is good. And God is always good. Always good. But at the same time, more and more, I've been, some, some things have been pressed upon my heart. I think we're blessed because we live in a nation that, at least for our entire lives, has been relatively stable. Where my family is from Vietnam, and it was not politically stable. 
I think when we live in a place that is politically stable, we oftentimes think that the Christian faith is always going to just be about the jobs that we have, the families that we're looking for, the, um, the vocation that we're called to, and what, how to make a great investment financially, and how to find the right mate, and how to get our kids into the right schools, and the list goes on, and none of these things are bad things. And in fact, I believe, and we do say, that the more that we believe in Jesus, the more that will go right for you. But I think we would be completely negligent to preach a gospel where that's all that we say. Where, our, where all we say is that if you follow Jesus, your dreams will come true, your house will be big, and everything, you will not encounter trouble. The reality is, if our faith is contingent even one iota upon those things, and I'm not saying that God doesn't want to give them, but if it is contingent upon any of those things, we would be remiss because those things are not a guarantee. But actually, the opposite is a guarantee. Right? Look at verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher, and the slave like his master. And if they've called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? We live in a funny time right now. We live in a nation where up to this point, we could say that this is a Christian nation. You know, Persecution has not been against Christians for the most part. But for those of you guys who know, welcome. We live in Berkeley, um, in in the San Francisco Bay Area. And being Christian is not always the most popular opinion. And I think the thing is what, when I was thinking about when I stand before Jesus, I don't want us to be unprepared for what might come. I don't want us to think, or I think a lot of times, you know, that if the things that we're banking on don't turn out the way that they do, that God somehow failed us. I think we can can preach a God is good gospel and think that that also means that all of the fruits of it look circumstantially good. And the moment that those things don't look circumstantially good, we can then think, then how come God didn't protect us? Why did it, where was God when that thing happened? And we can get caught in a lot of the neat details and the nuances. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important. When we get saved, there's two different narratives that are happening. There's the narrative of God's salvation and restoration in our own lives. And I think that that's something we focus on a lot in our church. You know, there is something that God is doing. The moment that we get saved, God is restoring and revealing to us how good he is constantly. He is 
trying to show us and teach us. He wants to redeem our families. He wants to bring us to a place where our faith and we have peace and where we start to dream what our lives could be in him. And I, and I want all of us to be in that place all the time. But there is also a meta-narrative, one that's bigger than us, one that's happening on a historical spectrum. And it started the day when God created the earth, and then humanity sinned, and then he had to send a redeemer, and then that redeemer came to earth, and then he lived a sinless life. And as he lived that sinless life, he was persecuted because of it. And then as he was persecuted because of it, the people who followed him when he died, those people who thought everything was going to be really great, all of a sudden were uncertain what was going to happen. And then it pushes us into the New Testament portion. And then all of a sudden, we are all now part of this other portion of the narrative where Jesus is coming back and depending upon where you stand on what it looks like in the in the end I personally think that there's a lot of evidence that in the end things can get really messy for us I know that that's up and down and depends upon and I'm, I don't want to get into all of that but I think that we ha- whether or not it's going to be so horrid, a little horrid, or not that horrid at all, we have to be pre-prepared that, we, that it could be very horrid. Right? It, it could be pretty terrible. And I think when we live in the U.S., we're insulated from that reality. We think that it could always be this way. But I'm telling you, if you lived in Syria, if you lived in the Sudan, if you lived in certain parts of the world, if you live in any war-torn place, it could feel pretty terrible. There's not a guarantee, especially right now, that things may always just be continually moving where we don't, where our faith is just based on, are things going well for me right now in this circumstance? If our faith is based just on how well things around us are doing, and if things are well at any given point, if those things aren't good, what are we going to do? I um, met with um, a couple of people recently that used to come to our church. And one of the things that they spoke to me, and they said, well, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. And I said, why? They said, because when I was going through hard times, um, the people didn't come through for me. And And I was really grieved at that. One, because that person felt that. But then two, because if our faith in in Christianity is based upon our community, and we have a great community here, but if those people don't live up to what we think community should be, Does that mean that God is not still God? Does that mean that he is still worth less? 
of our worship. I had another really, really good friend of mine. And in the beginning of the ark, we talked a lot about your call in life and your dreams and like pursuing your destiny. And I think we were remiss and we, we thought that destiny kind of meant like the thing that you're called to do while you're here on earth job-wise and things of that sort. And that person was like, man, I really want to know my call and I want to know my destiny. I want to know all of these things. But she was pursuing those things so much that when those things didn't happen according to the timeline that she thought they would, she was like, I don't know. I feel so much disappointment. I didn't get that. And it sounds really trivial, but it actually really happens. Man, God, I thought you promised. I thought I got a word. I thought you said that I was going to have a call to speak into families. I thought I was going to be given a call where I was going to, you know, move and shake mountains in this area. I thought I was going to be a business person that was going to do this thing and that was going to look like that. I thought that, you know, I never thought that if I was going to follow you that I would still be in debt and things would be this hard. And that person was just like, I don't know how to overcome my disappointment in God. I, you know, people said that he makes things better. Those things didn't happen at the time and in the way that that person thought. And so that person, for right now, is no longer walking with the Lord. I personally believe that as we near towards the end of the Christian narrative, if our walks in God are centered upon us, there is going to be a lot of room for disappointment. If the outcome is our self-actualization, if the outcome, yes, those things are important and those things can happen, but if they don't, we cannot overcome our disappointment and God is no longer good. It is telling us right now that there is too much value and focus on those things. And I believe the Lord wants our whole heart. It's crazy. Like, as a mother, I look at these things and it says, I don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves his father or mother more than me And I think that's the key, more than me. Not that you shouldn't love those things. But he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take the cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. So I'm not saying that those good things aren't going to happen. But at the same time, I am saying that when we love those things more than who he is, I guarantee you, you will be disappointed. I guarantee you, I promise you, you will be disappointed. Because something is not going to go according to what you think. Some husband, some wife, some child... 
some boyfriend, some girlfriend, some um, admissions to some place, some promotion. And those aren't, again, bad things. But at some point in time, those things may not happen. And at some point in time, maybe our government will not be as stable as it is. Maybe it will continue to be, but maybe it won't. But if we start to think our world is falling apart and God is no longer good, then we have to reexamine what our gospel is. And what I do not want is for this house, if those things were to happen, all of us would all of a sudden be like, but God, we thought you were good. Where, were, where are you? I'm telling you right now, God is still good. What he promises is him, not those things. Those things may happen, those good things, but what he promises is him, his faith. And that is what we sing when we're up here and we're worshiping. We're saying, God, we have something so much bigger than all the things here on earth. We have so much more than all those desires. Even if those things never come, Jesus, you've given me an answer. You've given me a purpose to live. You've given me freedom. You've given me restoration. And if those things don't ever happen, you are my one Stability in all of eternity. And I will not allow my faith to be shaken or rocked because I don't know what those things are. And all of those are unfaithful. They will disappoint in some way, shape, or form. I hope my children love the Lord. If they don't, I will be very brokenhearted. But I will not go and accuse and say, God, why did you give me a child? And why did you put me through this heartache? If something, heaven forbid, were to happen to Ryan or to the people closest to me, my first inclination, I do not want my insides to go, Jesus, I thought you were good. That is the voice of the enemy. And that's what he wants to enter into each and every one of us. To make our definition of his good be based on things that have nothing to do with anything eternal. Our definition of good must be based alone on the opinion and the thought and the person of Jesus Christ. Because he alone is the thing that will stand until the end of time. And so just today, this is a reminder because I think we do, we teach, we're like, man, we want you to get great promotion. We want you to be influential. We believe that there's a purpose and a thing that God is doing in moving Christians into places of influence. But if any shred of who we are is based on that, that thing will swallow you whole. And if you can allow that thing to bring you disappointment when it doesn't give you what you think it's supposed to give you, we will distance our heart from the Lord, who is the only answer in amidst of a lot of chaos in this world. And so just today, I, wanted, I just felt it on my heart so much to remind us that when we decided to follow Jesus, it wasn't because there's this promise of an earthly blessing. It is because he is the Christ, because he's real, because he's true, because people in all of history, have. there's always been people who have seen who he is, and he's real. And in the end of our lives, 
he will be real. And he's the only thing that will be real and consistent and stable and never fail us and will always be beautiful. And so I just want to invite all of us just to reaffirm that mindset. And if there have been other things that we've allowed to allow the disappointment to be so much greater than our love for him, for us to do some work there. Because those disappointments are real, but they cannot have the power to separate our connection from him. And when our walk with him is based on any of those things, I believe that he oftentimes allows us to confront that so that we can give it to him. There's this saying, and I don't remember who said it, but sometimes God offends the mind to reveal the heart. And so a lot of times our, we'll be super offended in our minds because he wants to show us that there's something in our heart that we are able to be disappointed in. And when we're so disappointed, if that thing, it's okay if we have disappointment, but because we have the Lord, we can overcome it in him. And then we can remove it so that we're like, God, I don't put my hope in any of those things. They will. I promise you they will disappoint. I, I can't guarantee a whole lot of things, but I can guarantee that. <laughs> so um, I'd love to just invite our worship team up and invite our prayer team up. I don't, it's not like one of those um, messages where I have a lot of stories to give and all of that, but this is just an exhortation and just scripture and just a solid reminder to some basics. So, yeah, so feel free to come on up. Yeah. And so let's just worship our God, you guys. And remember why we're here and that he's faithful and he's worthy. And if you want to pray and get prayer for anything, let's just, let's get our hearts and remind ourselves what's important. Amen.